0: All right, today is the official first day. I know we've already started, but this is the first day for our Bible study exercise on a very important topic that we'll be working on for the next seven weeks, around seven weeks. Uh, I've already done an introduction. We did kind of a pre-study study. And then we did kind of a, I did a special kind of episode last night dealing with it. So, but today we're going to use this really as the official start of this study. Most of this will happen obviously uh, for the podcast and not here, but we may utilize this for some, uh, maybe for some Sunday mornings, maybe some Sunday nights, maybe some Wednesdays, just to add to it and to supplement what we're doing. But it's a very important topic and it's very important for every single person because in some way, shape or form, we use this concept every single day. We either use it in a good way or we use it in a bad way. One way or the other, we use this and and I'll, and I'll demonstrate this here in just a second. So, will you do me a favor? Back in the library, there's a dictionary, Nelson's New Illustrated Bible Dictionary. Go get it, bring it to me, and I'll give you $5. Okay, but I want the specific one. Nelson's New Illustrated Bible Dictionary. All right, Look at that. Right in, the front. right in the front. Yeah, I wonder why. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I've got like multiple right here. but All right, now, $5. That was the deal, right? Yeah. Okay. Do you want that or that? that? Why not this one? Is that little, is that little or it's is fake. it? It's fake. Look what she just did. What did she just utilize? (laughs) Discernment. She just used discernment because for some reason, he'll take it. Okay. Hey, for some reason, she realized that one of them was different than the other. And she realized that the fake one won't get her whatever she's going to use that $5 for, right? Okay? Now, I had a fake hundred, but I you know i I only have so much money, okay I, I, so, sorry, but okay, but, but but she used discernment. She used discernment, and we use discernment every single day. But do we use the right kind of discernment? So first let's begin with trying to figure out what discernment is or isn't. okay? Does that make sense? Here let's start with some definitions, all right? Now, if you are on the Church One app or the Sermons 2.0 app, there's uh, an episode called Discernment Definitions PDF, and one of the listeners made an entire PDF. It's like five pages of definitions of discernment, all right? So there's a lot of different ways of looking at this, but I'm just going to go with some basic definitions. Are you ready? Discernment is the ability to obtain sharp perceptions or to judge well. Sharp perceptions, or to judge well. Did she have a sharp perception? It didn't take, I mean, she immediately said which one? She wanted the legit $5 bill. She immediately saw the difference, right? Sharp perception. Now, for that, that wasn't too hard to determine the difference, yes? Sometimes in life, determining which thing you're going to do, which thing you're going to believe, what you're... it's not always easy to make the right decision, yes? All right. From a theological perspective, what can make it difficult for us to have sharp perception? From a theological perspective, what, what causes us problems in having sharp perception? Okay, well, let's go through this. I want, I, I, this was my intention, but all right, that's okay, right? Because you know how as soon as I start a study, all of a sudden I start thinking of, so now I've thought of an entire different way to do this sermon, but that's okay, all right? So if we go with sharp perception, everybody understand what sharp perception is, right? Give me a a something, give me just your thought of sharp perception. Keen observation? You can perceive this is different than this, this is better than this, right? A sharp perception, Yes? All right, so what causes you problems in perceiving the best choice, the best action, the best course? What causes you problems? Let's just think about this from a human perspective, and then we'll move it to the theological. So as a human, what causes us problems to perceive? Okay, all right? I'm going to go with something far easier before we get to that. All of that is right. Okay, that's good. Let's start with, I'm going to go even simpler. Emotion. Emotion. Oh, come on. Emotions utterly destroy perception. Right? What do emotions do? The way you feel blinds you from reality because the way you feel becomes your reality. Oh, I can't be the only one. Right? When you have a feeling, when you have an emotion, can you see anything else? Right? Find any teenager, and someone just broke up with them. <gasps> <laughs> it's the end of the world. I'm never gonna live. I'm gonna die, a single. And as like, get, like, calm down. I'm gonna throw myself off the top of the bank in Abilene. It's over, right? I mean, okay, nobody else. When they get, okay. Right. all right, okay, good. So I see, so, I mean, that's, that's usually how I acted, okay? Usually right there in the hallway of Jim I've just followed right, it. All right, that's the way it went. I went. Nobody else? But Jenna's like, i just like, whatever. Whatever, you don't want me, you lose. Okay, right? Okay. All right, but others have emotions. But the point is, is no matter what the issue is, the emotion can do what? Destroy perception. I mean, all you can see is through the lens of emotion. So you always have to be able to perceive, am I looking at this situation through my emotion or through something else? All right, so emotion. What are some other things that can cause our perception to be thrown off? Sarah said it. Oh, yes. The more knowledge we have, the better we can perceive. Yes? The better we can perceive. The more understanding leads to sharper perception. Lack of understanding, lack of perception. It's just that simple. I could give all kinds of examples of that. What's another thing that could cause problems? Okay, the influence of other people, right? Influence, because sometimes we can't see things clearly because we are listening to the influence of other people, right? Right? There are all these things. And once your perception goes, can you trust in the decisions you're making and what you're doing? No. Now, from a theological perspective, what's another issue? Well, oh, this is a big one. We've got to get this one right, okay? All those other ones, everyone will talk about that, saved or unsaved, can all agree that those things impact perception. Oh, come on. There's like, We all have to get this one right. There's something inside of all of us—a sinful nature. Does that not obliterate your perception of truth and reality? Because you have a sinful nature. Does your sinful nature? What does your sinful nature impact? Emotion, your thinking, your desire. So you have something in you that constantly is the attack of your perception. Did he, does everyone not realize that? Okay, may, maybe not. Okay, I, I, I mean, Because nobody, everyone should get that one down. That's the, that's the core issue. Now let's go for some more definitions. Right, The quality, this is discernment, the quality of being able to grasp and comprehend what is obscure. So discernment is where you can take something that's obscure that most people can't see, but you can, you can understand it. You can grasp it, right? For example, someone who studied film analysis. I can watch a movie, right? Because you know how much I love film analysis and go, all right, the reason that camera angle is here and the reason, the reason they're using that kind of lighting is because that's supposed to symbolize this or it's supposed to symbolize the emotion inside this person or, hey, this show is not really about this. For example, uh, the show New Amsterdam in a recent uh, episode, uh, there's a rock slide and this person's leg is trapped and they have to amputate the leg to get him out of it. But it's not about that. The leg being amputated is symbolism for the, Max, the, the medical director, this decision he has to make in a relationship. And to get the new relationship, he has to amputate the old relationship. It's symbolism of the main character's struggle with what to do with this relationship. And people are like, oh, the episode was about a person. It's not about that, okay? It's not about that. I can go through movie after movie where people walk out, and I'm like, the, the movie had, what? Oh, never mind, all right? But what, what, so you've got to be able to, to determine what is obscure. Now, I don't believe those things are obscure, but what makes it obscure to some people? Go back to Sarah's thing. Knowledge of it, right? Knowledge of it. So that's discernment. You can obscure. How about another one? Discernment is the ability to recognize small details. And you you can recognize these small details accurately. You can tell the difference between similar things. And you can make intelligent judgments by using such observations. It means to recognize, to distinguish or make judgments. So, the next seven weeks, we're going to try to figure out discernment. Now, we could look up the Bible dictionary, we could do a lot here, but here's what I started thinking about. All right? The first thing I started thinking about when I started doing this is okay, whenever we start thinking of discernment, and, we, and so one of the things I've already given everyone to do for the Bible study exercise, and I, t- and I already did the broadcast, is everyone's going to be doing the word study method of Bible study. Right? So I gave everyone where you look up the antonyms, the synonyms, and all the steps. So the people online are already working on that. Okay, but one of the things I challenged them to do is like, I wonder where's the first place in the Bible discernment is mentioned? And I started thinking about this. Where is it? Where is the word mentioned? Right? Well, it was weird because the curriculum. Sent me to a passage, and when they sent me to the passage, I was like, well, that's weird that they would start a seven-week study on discernment by going to a passage of Scripture that I don't believe mentions discernment, but maybe it demonstrates discernment or the lack thereof. So they sent us for the curriculum to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. Now I can see why they would send us to Genesis chapter three. Can't, can't. I mean, do you understand why? Because what happens in Genesis three? We all know the story, right? Eve's gonna eat that which she's not supposed to eat, and the fall of humanity occurs, right? And we're like, this is an example of a lack of discernment. So we're going to be looking at Genesis three today, talking about discernment. But late last night. I was, I came across something that I thought, oh boy, this, this changes everything. So here I'm going to make sure I've got all, do I have all my definitions pulled up here? If not, we will, I will look them up one more time. All right. Hopefully we can find all of them, but that's we'll, we'll get there. All right. So I'm going to do this. All right. Give me one second. Here's Merriam-Webster. All right. All right. There's a a whole bunch of words here, but that's okay. All right. Here's what we're going to do. Go to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. All right, everybody ready? Genesis chapter 3, let's start in verse 1. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Now, we'll read read six verses here. We'll make a couple of observations about discernment, and then we're going to look at something that I think is interesting. All right, everybody ready? Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Now, the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made, And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden. Now, immediately when we start talking about discernment, we realize that the serpent here, we understand Satan is utilizing the serpent. He's working through the serpent. And he comes in, and and what he wants to do is to get Eve to do what? That which God has forbidden. All right? Now, her job is to hopefully discern what is happening and use discernment in order to avoid making the wrong decision. Yes? Now in life, look, whether you look at this from a Christian perspective or not a Christian perspective, you have to constantly use discernment because there's always voices trying to get you to do that which ultimately will be harmful to you even if you don't even look at this from a biblical perspective. That's constantly happening every day in your life. And you have to discern. Now, what a lot of people feel is that Satan does what? what is, almost every sermon you ever hear on this, they believe Satan's first step to go after Eve's discernment is to do what? What does everyone believe Satan does here? Okay, well they all, everyone goes to the fact that he questions God's word. Right? Because it says, yea, Hath God said, and there's been about 25 billion sermons preached on that. Now, if you know my perspective is I think that's incorrect. I think he does something else and everyone misses it. Everyone's like, he says yay, hath God said. He's qu- challenging God's word. I think he's using a different tactic and I think it's brilliant. Right? So let's look at what happens. What, he says, yay, hath God said what? What's his exact words there? You shall not eat of every tree of the garden. Now, I believe here's what he's doing, right? He's coming to her and here's what he wants her to do. He wants to get her attention away from all the trees she can partake of. And he wants her to get her preoccupied and focused on what? The one tree. Now, if he walks up and says... Hey, Bobby, look at that tree right there. You can't have that. That's very straightforward, very boom. He may get defensive and go, whoa, back off, man. But he doesn't come it that way, does he? He's like, hey, did God say you can't have all of these trees? Satan seems to already know the answer. So Bobby immediately says, no, no, we can have these trees. And now what does she say? Look at the next verse. But, what? The, tr- the tree in the midst of the garden. She says, we can't even touch of it or we will die. So think of it, look this way. Like, let's think of it this way. Think of this wall, it's all the trees. And he's like, hey, can you have all these trees? Are you, are, is God keeping you from all these trees? No. He's Subtly, he just turned her attention to what? He turned her a, a back. From those trees, now what is she focusing on? What she can't have. Isn't that brilliant? Isn't that br- that's utterly genius? Without even trying, and you and we and look, I know that's what happens because the text tells me that's what happens. Right? Immediately, she starts talking about what the tree she can't have. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, or lest ye die. Without even trying. He doesn't even mention the tree that he can't have. He doesn't mention it. Because if he mentioned it, what could she possibly have done? Well, no, we can't have that. It's more subtle than that. She doesn't catch on what's happening. Hey, can you have all of, you're not allowed to have this? No, no, no. We can have that. We can't have that. Not a minute. That. Then what does he do? What does he do? Right after, now her focus is on what she can't have. Immediately, what does he do next? But the fruit of the tree in the midst of the garden, God has said you should not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. And the serpent said unto the woman, you will not die. Immediately, now, look, she says, we can't have it or you'll die. And he's like, no, 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 no. no." Now that we're talking, now, which tree are they now talking about? They're no longer talking about all the other trees. Now he's got her, right? So now all he has to say is, no, 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 no. You're not going to get in any trouble. You're not going to get in any trouble. You're good to go. Nothing's going to happen. And then what, what, what happens next? And the serpent, and for God doth know. Now he says one more thing at verse 5. No you're not going to die. Here's why you should get it. Your eyes are going to be open and you'll be like God's. He's holding out on you. But where's all the focus now? Are the focus on all the other trees? He's now got her focused on what? And look what happens. Very next verse. And when the woman saw, when the woman saw that the tree was, now what is she looking at? The tree that she's not supposed to have. And now how is her, what is her opinion of the tree now? She's got a whole different perception of the tree. Do you see how deceptive this was? How subtle this was? Everyone preaches like he just comes in to directly attack God's word. No, what he wants to get her to do is to not focus on what she can have, but to focus on what she can't have. And once we get focused on what we can't have, what do we have a tendency to do? Figure out how we can get it. Do you see how subtle that was? I think that's brilliant. But she, she doesn't, she's missing the discernment. So I started thinking about this. And I started, well, let's look at this word subtle, right? So let's do a little word study here, right? Just quickly. We're going to run out of time. Go to uh, the Blue Letter Bible app. We'll start here. All right, Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Let's look up the Hebrew word for subtle here. All right? Okay. Here we go. We look up the Hebrew word. Songs H, 6175. Arum. Arum. Second entry. Arum. Arum. All right. There's the Hebrew word. And what is it? It's used 11 times. Eight times it's translated what? Prudent. Right? And someone was saying the Hebrew word, right? Uh, It's translated Prudent. Two times crafty, one time subtle. Now, please note, it's translated prudent eight times. What does that mean? What is prudent? Do you view prudent as a bad thing? Being prudent is a good thing, right? Making wise decisions. Using good judgment. I think that's interesting, that subtle here can be prudent. Now, why? Because it demonstrates that we can be subtle... We can be prudent in a good way or in a bad way. He's being very prudent. He's using, he's, ve- he's got very good judgment in how to do what? How to get Eve from looking at all the trees she can have to looking at what? The one tree she can't have. Oh man, when that happens, bad things occur. All right. Crafty. Now, it's outlined in biblical usage. Subtle, shrewd, crafty, sly sensible, crafty, shrewd, sensible, prudent. All right. But that idea that prudent shows up multiple times started making me think that what Satan is doing here could be seen, he's using it in a good way or in a bad way, but it could be used in a good way. So I still started thinking a little bit more about this. Let's do this. Now let's look up the the English word subtle just online just to see what we have here. All right. Now, if we look up subtle, we can find that it can mean delicate, it can mean elusive, it can mean difficult to understand or perceive, obscure, right? A subtle truth, a subtle change. It can mean clever, indirect. It can have having or involving keen perception or insight. Hear that? Subtle can mean having keen perception or insight. Is that, does that sound like a word that we are, have been talking about? Sounds like discernment. Isn't that interesting? They go on, uh, it can mean expert, like a subtle craftsman, someone who has a skill. Right? It can mean artful, crafty. But it can also mean, uh, it can be viewed in a more uh, negative way as well. So isn't that interesting? Now if we look up uh, crafty, it can be adept in the use of subtlety and cunning. So it's still talking about a skill, right? So, and then if we look up, uh, in fact, let me look up some other uh, definitions of subtle. Um, if If we look up some others... See here. Uh, Subtle here is uh, uh, difficult to understand. All right. It can also mean to be uh, crafty, sly, or it can be characterized by skill, ingenuity, and clever. So it's still kind of leading us in this direction. And so I started thinking about it. Is it possible... In fact, I would challenge everyone, If whatever dictionaries you have, just pull up them online and look up the word subtle and just see other things you find. Let's see other things you find as well. Because right, I don't want to give away everything I said last night. I want to see what you can find as well. Look up all the dictionaries you can find for subtle and see what you find. All right, tell me what you find to see if you find thing. I'm, I'm trying to lead us to a specific point, but I want you to, to find it. All right? What else did you find? Delicate. Okay, can be de- delicate, all right? Keep going. What else? It can, it can be insidious. Okay, any other words? Ingenious. Okay, anything else? All right. That that's not that one. What do you do? You have anything, Emma? No. All right. Nothing else. Here's what I want to. This is the th- point I want to lead you to, in a roundabout way. The first example of discernment is Satan himself. Genesis 3 is the discernment of Satan because he is utilizing discernment in a negative way. He's using skill. He's clever. He's keen in his perception that he's doing what? using it in a deceptive way. In other words, we are either get, we are the victim of someone else's discernment or we are protecting ourselves through the use of our own discernment. We're constantly in a battle in regards to discernment. Does that make, does that make sense? Kind of, maybe, a little bit? All right, now I, w- I wanted to find the dictionary that I had last night I don't know why when I look, because I was using Merriam-Webster's, but today when I look it up, it's uh, completely giving me a completely different definition than the one it gave last night. Because it led to two other words, and guess where it led me ultimately to? Discernment. It led me to discernment. And I was like, w- w- how in the world did I get there? Now, remember, in the, uh, for the Hebrew word, they also use the word prudent, right? That's how it can be translated. Now, if you look up prudent... Guess what you'll find, right? Prudent can be marked by wisdom, all right? It can be shrewd in the management of practical affairs. It can be discreet. But once again, it's marked by wisdom. So even in being subtle, he was prudent. He was paying attention. So here's what I want us to consider. And I wish I had all the other uh, definitions. I can't believe that for some weird reason now that today it's a completely different definition. But they led to these two other words and ultimately it led to discernment. It led to discernment. So now I I don't know what what happened. Who knew that Merriam-Webster would change in 24 hours? But okay, all right. But here's the thing. Here's what I want you to understand. So everybody pay attention, All right? Everybody ready? Here we go. When we start studying discernment, the first example in in a roundabout way that we come to of discernment is found in Genesis chapter 3, but it's not Eve's lack of discernment. It's Satan's masterful use of discernment. And what does Satan discern? What is Satan discerning in Genesis 3? He's discerning what is going to work to get her to do what? To go from someone looking at All that she can have to being preoccupied with what? She can't have disobeying God, partaking of the fruit, and then doing what? Giving it to someone else. All because she did, all because he did what? Just in a roundabout way. Just think of how all of this started. It all started by saying, you can't have all of these trees? Does that sound like a, a, a question that's like dangerous? Does that sound like a dangerous question? Right? Right? It would be like, you're, you're out on a Friday night, someone's coming up, hey, you can't take all of these drugs? You're like, well, we, you know, or no, 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 that would be the wrong way of asking the question. It'd be like, wait, you can't, you can't even do this, and it would be something that's completely innocent. Well, no, I can do all of that. What I can't do is those drugs. Now, immediately, what did they just do? They got you to focus on what you can't have. In other words, hey, are you saying your parents say, can't? They won't even let you go to the corner store? Well, no, I can go to the corner store. I just can't go to that crack house on that corner. Right? It's, a, it's, a, it's an innocent question. And the innocent question is utilized to get them to do the wrong thing. That is discernment. Satan is utilizing discernment. That's what I want you to see. The first example of discernment is Satan utilizing it. And utilizing it better than her. So how should this work? All right. So let's think, about, th- let's think this through. All right. Think this through. All right, everybody right with me? All right. So, Satan, let's make sure we have this down. What does Satan utilize to get her to move from someone who can have all of these trees to someone partaking of the wrong one, disobeying God, and giving it to her husband? What does he utilize? Let's make sure we just have this down. What does he utilize? He utilizes an innocent question to change her focus to what she can't have. That's subtle. Everyone says he attacks God's word, and I just think he does straight out attack it at one point, right? Well, God, you're not going to die. But when he says, Hath God said, can you not eat of all of these trees? I mean, he already knows the answer, right? He's not really calling it into question. He knows the answer. The answer is, No, I can have all of this. Okay, good. Okay, but what is he waiting for? But, and then immediately it turns this way. So his discernment is to get her to focus on what she can't have and then convince her that she won't be punished for taking it and that it's better to have it. So what should her discernment have been? There we go. Her discernment should have been like, no, I can have all of this and I am happy with all of this. And I'm going to obey God because he gave me all of this. And what else should I need? But her discernment, she doesn't catch on to that. And then look at the verse, as of verse 6? Look at what happens. The woman saw that the tree was, and look what happens. She sees that it was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes and to be desired to make one wise. Her focus now is on what? Not God, not on truth, but on what? What are the three parts there? She first sees, and what does she see? That it's good for food. She sees that it will fulfill what? A physical desire. A physical desire. What else does she see? Pleasant to the eyes. It looks good, and then it will make one wise it goes to her pride right goes to her pride and now her deception is gone right at this point what, what does she not even bring up there well she well, not only does she not bring up the other tree she doesn't say whether it would be pleasing to God acceptable to God would it be best for me would it be best for us long term she becomes what kind of uh, her sight becomes what nearsighted right She comes focus on the now. Focus on the now. When your discernment is only focused on the now and not the long term, then your discernment has been destroyed. So how do we counteract the wrong kind of discernment? I just think it's interesting that the first example of discernment is really Satan's discernment. We don't see him as being discerning but he's being discerning in a negative way. So in other words, you can use your discernment in a good way or in a bad way, right? You can use discernment to manipulate someone, right? I I used to do it with my brother all the time, right? When I I would want a Coke and we didn't have any Cokes and I'd be like, man, I don't want to go get the Coke. There's no reason I want to go get the Coke because where we lived, there was a gas station that had a a Coke machine in, in front I didn't want to walk all the way over there. Even though it was only like a block and a half, that means going outside. I'm not going outside. So guess what I would tell my brother? I bet you can't get there and back in five minutes. I bet you there's no way you can get there and back in five minutes. It's impossible. You're too slow. And then guess what he would do? I'm going to prove to you that I can do it. And I'm like, okay. He'd run, get the Coke, and I'd be like, man, six minutes. You're going to have to work harder. I'd get my Coke. And the next time I needed a Coke... It worked constantly, okay? <laughs> worked constantly, right? I used discernment. I knew what would get him to get the Coke. If I asked him to get a Coke, would he have said yes? No. Go get it yourself! But when I turned it into, hey, I don't think you can do that. Pride. I don't think, I, I, time I needed a Coke, I got it. And I never had to go outside. See? I used discernment, right? Okay, some of you don't want to call that discernment. I use discernment, right? Oh, come on, some of you do. Come on, all of us do that in some way, shape, or form. Right? I mean, there's some women in here. Okay, right. Come on, y'all never manipulate? Bojana, you never manipulate Mr. Goodlett ever? Okay. (laughs) Sarah? Right? Mary? Okay, oh, she's like, absolutely. Of course I do, right? Okay, what do you think I am, dumb? Okay, <laughs> right? Of course I manipulate. That's, that's the way to get it done, right? And, and, and in many cases, what's the best way to get, it, to get something accomplished? Manipulate pride. And a roundabout way, Satan uses the same manipulation, does he not? Hey, first of all, nothing's going to happen to you. But if you eat that tree, what does he say? Your eyes are going to be open. You're going to know the difference between good and evil. You'll be like God. Pride. And does pride show up in those three things? Yeah. To make one wise. So we, we have to see how discernment can be. Satan is using the better discernment. He discerns exactly what's necessary and she doesn't catch on. She doesn't catch on to the fact and the next thing she knows, she's completely forgotten God. What I want you to realize is that in life, there's going to be millions of voices coming at you and they're using discernment. They're figuring out you. They're figuring out how to play you. They're figuring out how to mess with you. And the next thing you know, you're being deceived. You're being tricked into doing something. And I'm not even even worrying about this from a Christian perspective. This is just life. This is just life. You can get manipulated and tricked and not even realize. You can't fall for that. You can't fall for that nonsense. You've got to be able to pay attention and you've got to be able to see. You've got to be able to think. Whatever it is, is, you've got whatever the voice is, whoever the person is, whatever the thing is, you've got to stop and go, whoa, I got to think this through. I got to think this through. I got to think this through. And you got to see beyond what? Now. You got to see the whole thing. You got to see how it's going to end. You got to see the beginning and the end of it. You've got to have foresight. You've got to have that kind of discernment. Once that discernment is taken away, we're in trouble. We have to see what, and, and I think, not only do we fall for it spiritually, we fall for it in so many different ways. People are manipulated politically. People are manipulated ideologically People are manipulated emotionally. People are manipulated a million different ways because there's always voices trying to trick you and, and, and mess with you. And you've got to be able to see. Now, at the same time, we've got to make sure we're not using wrong discernment to manipulate others. Right? We got to make sure we, but you you there, it's all there's constant of this thing is constantly happening in your life. So I don't want you to just look at it from a purely theological perspective. This is just a common thing that happens in your life, and it's weird how it occurs. People will use anything to manipulate you. Remember, I've never, I've never understood it. This is what this is my strength. It's, it can be my weakness, but it can be my strength. I've said from the very beginning, I've never understood for one second the whole peer pressure concept. I don't get it. I don't understand it. right? People tell me I'm supposed to do A for whatever weird reason, I'm doing B. Okay, because I don't understand that. Nobody has ever put any peer pressure to make me do anything I want. I'm not gonna wear what they tell me to wear. I'm not gonna listen to what they tell me to listen to. I'm not gonna like what they tell me to like. I could care less. One, because I always perceive this, especially in high school, nobody's gonna nobody, this, this is the most irrelevant part of life as those four years in high school. It doesn't matter. Nothing matters there, right? Who cares if I cheer for my team? What difference does that make? It's high school for crying out loud, right? And all your years of working, Mr. Gillette, the people go, so what did you do in high school? And the people talking around talking about what they did in high school, we looked at them as like, hey, dude, get over it. High school is over. I remember working with an airman, and he had in his little office, he had some clips from what he did when he played football in high school, like news articles. And people were like, nobody cares, man. I don't care that you played football in high school and you scored five touchdowns. Nobody cares. Guess where you are now? You're in the military. The glory days are over. Get over it. Don't care. Doesn't matter. Now, it may it matter to you at the moment but I'm saying in the big picture of things. Now, it's one thing if you're doing what you want to do and you're enjoying it, but if you're doing what everyone else is telling you to do, then you're being manipulated and you're not using discernment and you're allowing yourself to be deceived and controlled. No one's going to control me by that kind of nonsense. And I can just give thousands of other examples like that. Sometimes we can't see it. We can't perceive it. We've got got to have a better view. We've got to know what discernment is. It's keen perception. It's foresight. So you can see the beginning and the end of a situation. You can see where it's going. And you can go, well, yeah. now, now sometimes you can have the fore- Now make sure we understand this. Sometimes we can have the discernment and go, that's probably a bad idea, but I'm going to do it anyway. Right? That's probably a bad idea, but I'm going to do it anyway. Okay, I did that plenty of times, right? For example, I got really, because I didn't understand the whole, like, it's homecoming and our team versus their team. Like, I didn't understand, like, who cares, right? Like, why, my school, your school, why do we have a rivalry with the other school? I don't even understand that concept. It makes no sense to me, right? So I thought I was going to manipulate all the people from Gymnet and all the people from Winters to get them into a big fight, right? Because I thought the whole thing was stupid, right? So there was, I, I, we, I set out rumors that the people from Winters was going to try to come to Ned and light the bonfire before it was time to do so and burn it down, right? So everybody was on high alert. So it was like Thursday night at about 2, or it was about two in the morning Friday. I set the thing on fire. Left some things that said Winters did it. And then I sat back and watched everyone from Jim Ed drive there. And they were going to beat them up. And they were going to beat them up. And I just sat back going, these people are so stupid. <laughs> Who cares? Who cares if we win homecoming? Right? Who cares? Now, I knew that that could have been what went really bad for me. I kind of got away with that one. Other things I didn't do so well. I made bad decisions. So sometimes I could see. So just make sure we understand. Even if you have the best discernment, what does that not guarantee? The best action. And why does it not guarantee that? Sinful nature. And what has a way of overcoming our discernment? Our sinful nature. Now in Eve's case, She's kind of, she's, she's, she doesn't have a leg to stand on. Why? She has no sinful nature, right? So we either she was just naive, had no discernment, or she didn't care. Because I can tell you, one, what's one thing that will always triumph the best discernment? What's the one thing that will always overcome discernment? Desire and emotion can utterly overcome discernment. Can it not? That desire, that emotion, right? That emotion. Because if you, if you, if you, I mean, sometimes, I I mean, we all know, we've all done it, right? Have you not been in a situation where you know that that's the wrong thing to do, but you do it anyway because of what? feeling, or a desire. And we can all, everyone can relate to that, right? Everyone can relate to that. I mean, I can, right? I've done it many times in my life where like, okay, I know I'm doing it anyway. I just don't care. I just don't care. You make that conscious decision. It's one thing to make a conscious decision, right? I'm not saying that the conscious decision is right, but at least it's a conscious decision. It's another thing to allow your discernment to be so manipulated that you're not even realizing what you're doing. That's a bad thing. That's a bad thing. So in a roundabout way, who's the first example of discernment? I think it's Satan. Now, I wasn't able to completely articulate how that word worked, but I was able to show you that subtle is at least connected enough with the concept of discernment. I don't know why the dictionary is not giving me the other two words, uh, because I think, in, in, I think when I looked it up last night, because I did this last night, literally it had the word, it gave me three, or it gave me two definitions, and under the second definition, it gave me two concepts, and guess what was under the second concept? It literally used the word Discernment. <laughs> so I was going to show you that today. Homesaid, my like, I look up Merriam-Webster. I'm like, that does not look like the page I gave me last night. It's completely different, right? But I'm going to find it and I'll show it to you. I don't. It's like, if you listen to the podcast from last night, I'm literally reading from the dictionary and then I look it up today and I'm like, what just happened? It's What? what? They were like, oh, we got to remove that. I don't know what that was. It was so weird. It's so weird because it gave me. It was very short. Like the the, the today Merriam-Webster. That's a long definition. It was. It was just like. Number one, number two, with two points, and then it gave me two words, and one of the words was discernment. And today, today, discernment is gone. I'm like, there's nothing worse than doing it in the middle of a sermon. Okay, what happened? I should have, cu- I should have cut and pasted it, but why would I think I needed to cut and paste it? It was, it was there. It was so weird. I'm going to find it today. All right, but I couldn't get there and keep looking. But the point is, discernment is used by Satan. And the discernment is used by whom? Everyone everyone. We saw discernment at the beginning of the sermon, right? Someone used discernment to get the five dollars instead of the fake five dollars. So what we need to constantly improve on is what? Our discernment. What hinders our discernment? Emotions? What are some of the other things we said in lack of knowledge? And then clearly sinful nature. So our, our discernment ability is always hindered. Does that make sense? So what I want you to do today is just think of the times in your life where you used the wrong discernment. Because I know you have. Try to better and prove your discernment moving forward. But the only way to improve your discernment moving forward is you have to realize you have a sinful nature. So ultimately, what is our only hope? Our only hope is in Christ because we're going to fall short in this. But we want to improve our discernment so it doesn't happen to and I want, And I want the young people to understand this. I want everyone to understand this. I don't, I don't even care what you think about the Bible or Christianity. Right? You can walk away from Christianity. You still want to use the right discernment. You know why you want to use the right discernment? Because you want your life, I mean, especially if you throw out Christianity, this is the only life you're going to have. So you better make the best of it. And I can tell you things that are bad discernment that will destroy your life. Forget Christianity and there's things that will improve your life. That's just from a purely humanistic standpoint. So I always say like if someone says I don't want Christianity, I'm like, okay, well, good. All right. You don't want Christianity. Then here's what you need to do. You need to make the best decisions you can so you can have the best life right here, right now, because this is all you have. Because man, you can make some really bad, bad decisions that can destroy your life. It has prolonged impact, right? I mean, just go to a an NA meeting or an AA meeting, Alcoholics Anonymous or Narcotics Anonymous. Listen to someone who drinking or alcohol, or drinking or drugs. I, 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 that rarely ever comes out pr- good for anybody, right? It may have a temporary benefit. But the potential of long-term consequences are f- what? Are they worth it? I don't think they're, w- put it this way, they're not worth it if you end up addicted. And so what's the best way to stay from, from getting addicted? Don't do it. Then you can't be addicted. Now, in the short term, what does that lead? People may be like, what's your problem, man? And guess what? When you're addicted, that person who said, what's the problem, man? Are they going to show up to help you out? No. So, so who cares what they think, right? I've often said, if I was an atheist, I still would not drink and I still would not do drugs, because I would want what? I want the best life I can have right now. Does that make sense? So discernment, we've got it. I want you to think about it. I want you to consider it. And I want you to think about the fact that I just think it's bizarre that the first example of it is actually Satan using better discernment than Eve. And I want you to remember his trick. Hey, you can't have all of these trees? Oh, no, no, I can have all of those. I can't have... And the minute he's got... He, that's, he's got her right there, right? Battle's over. From verse like verse 2... And next thing you know, in verse 6, what is she talking about? The tree she can't have. Isn't that crazy? Like, just within seconds. She goes from, oh, right here. Oh, look how good that is. She's completely forgotten about everything else. And guess what she doesn't even consider? Long-term consequences. Because all she can see is the now. All right. Let's pray. Lord God, we come before you this afternoon. Lord, uh, forgive us for our lack of discernment. We are thankful that your son has perfect discernment. And in him, we are forgiven for all of our failures. But Lord, please let us consider the importance of this subject from a theological perspective or just for for our everyday life. Because we so make horrible decisions because of lack of discernment. And we end up destroying our future because of our preoccupation with the now. We ask this in Jesus' name. And God's people said...